The title of my message is Christmas is Awesome, Part 3. Christmas is Awesome, Part 3. Part 1 was really good. Part 2 was really good. If you didn't think so, what can I do? What can I say, huh? <laughs> so we come to Part 3 today. I shared Parts 1 and 2 uh, in recent weeks with you. Oh, by the way, by the way, just before I get into this message, listen, don't miss Reverend Dr. Lisa Autar's message tomorrow, tomorrow morning at 11. Don't miss it. The title is, I wish you a Merry Christmas. I wish you a Merry, M-A-R-Y. Isn't that good? I wish you a Merry Christmas. Don't miss that tomorrow morning at 11 o'clock. And like she said, after church, we have a nice little present for each one of you. Okay. I could have called this message, uh, Christmas is beautiful, or Christmas is wonderful, fantastic, marvelous. I could have called it all those names because the, the truth, uh, the truths that we learn from the Christmas story are, in fact, awesome and wonderful and magnificent and fantastic and marvelous, whatever words we might want to use, right? So let's read part of the Christmas story recorded in Luke 1, beginning at verse 26. If you're able to, please stand in honor of the reading of the Lord's word here. So Luke 1, 26 says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Let us pray. Dear God, thank you for this part of your precious holy word. Lord, I pray that you would help all of us to be in one way or another enriched, enriched and touched by the truths contained in this passage of Scripture. Open our minds and hearts, especially to that which you want us to know, experience, and apply in our lives today, tomorrow, and in the weeks to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please feel free to be seated. All right. My friends, the first truth that I want to direct your mind to 
is this. Number one. Why don't you read it with me from the screen here if you wish. Truth number one is Christmas is awesome. It's awesome because we are inspired to believe that what seems impossible to you and me can become possible through God's Holy Spirit power. Amen? Amen? And this, of course, comes from the whole passage, but especially from uh, Luke 1, 31, for example, and then verses 34 and 35. Luke 1, uh, 31 says, don't be, don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. You will conceive and you will give birth to, to a son and name him Jesus. And then, of course, it goes on. And then we go into verse 34. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. Amen. Amen. Well, we read here, we read here of how Mary obviously could, could not understand how she could possibly give birth to a son, to a baby, to Jesus, since she was a virgin. She had not been intimate with any man. So it's normal for her to wonder, well, how could this possibly happen, dear Lord? And then verse 35, the angel essentially tells her that what seemed impossible to Mary will become possible through God's Holy Spirit power. That's what she is told. My friends, there are many times in your life and mine when something seems impossible. Isn't that true? You've gone through that. I've gone through that. Some of you have just finished the first semester of college. College, university students. Many of you have just finished that first semester. And you might be wondering how in the world you're going to pass all of your courses by the end of this school year. A lot of times students wonder that. Uh, and sometimes the professors... The professors are not the most encouraging. We've got some of you here who are professors, so I have to be careful what I say, uh, whether you're here or not. Uh, uh, before, before I went to Nazarene Theological Seminary to study, to become a minister, I did a Bachelor of Science degree at the University of Toronto in the great subjects such as chemistry. You, some of you, some of you say, yeah, such as in chemistry and biology, microbiology, genetics, biochemistry. Biochemistry, by the way, was one of the hardest. And, and, anyway, and many other courses, of course. Um, but I remember how in my very first, in my very first class of first-year chemistry, with about 250 students in the lecture hall, can you believe this? The professor said, Michael, 
the professor said, students, look to your left, look to your right. One of you will fail this course. No kidding, that, that's true. That's, that's what the professor said. Yeah. Dr. Marcia, don't ever say that to your students, please. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, personally, I would, I would not advise any professor or teacher to start a course like that. But maybe it was his way from day one to kind of wake all of us up and, and remind us or tell us that you are going to have to work very hard or you're going to fail. And I, I studied hard, and with the Lord's help, I did well in that chemistry course. Uh, un, unfortunately, the professor was right. More than a third of the students either dropped out or, or failed the course, unfortunately. But it is possible. It is possible that some of you students who are in high school, college, or university, as you look ahead to the next semester of your school year, if you are thinking it is going to be impossible for you to make it through your academic studies, please remember, remember Christmas is awesome because we are inspired, we are inspired, I say, to believe that what seems impossible to you and me can become possible through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? I say to you, do your best and trust the Lord for the rest. Amen? Do your best and trust the Lord for the rest. That's what I said to myself throughout my seven years of, of post-high school studies and other courses that I've gone through. There are many situations, many kinds of situations in your life and mine which may seem impossible. Some of you here, and some of you watching online, some of you are facing um, a serious illness. Others of you are struggling with major family problems, financial issues, court situations. And some of you who are hoping to get married are wondering when you will meet your prince or princess. Is that not right? Yes. And then some married couples are asking, Lord, why haven't we yet been able to have a baby? Why have we not as yet been able to have a child? Well, I want to encourage you today, whatever your circumstance might be, I want to encourage you by reminding you that Christmas is awesome because we are inspired to believe that what seems impossible to you and me can become possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? In Matthew 19, verse 26, Jesus says, With God, everything is possible. Or as some translations say, With God, all things are possible. Amen? Amen. Amen. There's a second truth I want to invite us to focus on, and it is this. Reverend Kelly, by the way, 
I want you to feel free to use my outline. No charge to you, sir. No charge. Free. <laughs> All right. Here's the second truth. Christmas is awesome because Mary inspires us to make the right decisions even though it will be difficult. Okay, now stick with me. This truth came to my mind from verse 38. Verse 38. After Mary went through the experience with the angel, verse 38 says, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Then the angel left her. When Mary spoke those words, when Mary said what she said, she was making the right decision, obviously, to, to proceed with what the Lord revealed to her to give birth to Jesus, the Son of God. At the same time, Mary must have known that carrying out what God wanted her to do was going to be very, very difficult. Right? Who, who in the world was going to believe her that she had not been sexually intimate with Joseph before marriage? Who was going to believe her? Who was going to believe her that she had not been sexually intimate with some other man before marriage? Who was going to believe her when she said to anyone... If she had said to anyone, well, <clears throat> Mary, how did this happen? Well, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit came upon me and the power of the Most High miraculously conceived this baby within me. Who would have believed her if she had said that, which is what the angel told her? Was Joseph the man to whom she was engaged going to believe her? No. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 19 says, Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Even Joseph didn't believe her at first until the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verse 20 and 21 declares, here it is, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, to Joseph, in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That's what the angel said to Joseph. And it was only, only after the angel spoke to him in a dream that Matthew chapter 1, verse 24 says, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. The commentator in my New Living Translation Study Bible says this. He says, although others may have disapproved of his decision, Joseph went ahead with what he knew was right. Listen to this. He says, sometimes... We avoid doing what is right 
because of what others might think. Sometimes we avoid doing what is right because of what others might think. Both Mary and Joseph made the decision to do what was right. They knew that family members and friends would laugh at them when they explained that the baby was miraculously conceived by the Holy Spirit and that Mary and Joseph had not been sexually active before marriage. They knew, they knew that people would be gossiping about them in their town probably for the rest of their lives. But Mary and Joseph made the decision to what? To do what was right. To do what the Lord wanted them to do, even though it would have been very, very tough. My friends, Christmas is awesome because Mary inspires us and Joseph inspires us as well to make the right choices, the right decisions, even though it might be difficult. Is there an amen in the house? You may have heard that on Saturday, December 17, here in downtown Toronto, international viewers, we're not proud of this, and I'm not proud of this as one who lives in Toronto. But you may have heard that on Saturday, December 17, here in downtown Toronto, eight teenage girls, ages 13 to 16, repeatedly stabbed and killed a dear 59-year-old man who was minding his own business. The man had not been bothering or attacking the girls or anyone else. And police believe the man may have been attacked because the girls saw him carrying alcohol and they wanted alcohol. Police said all eight of the young girls swarmed, S-W-A-R-M-E-D, they swarmed this dear man and killed him. Three of the girls are only 13 years old. One is 14 and two are 16. When I first heard this, it made me sick. It's just incredible. It's almost hard to believe that young girls like this of this age or any age would do such a terrible thing. I couldn't help but think of how if only one, if only one of those young teens had, to, had decided to do what was right and if she had said, if she had said to the others perhaps, if she had said, girls, Stop, stop, it isn't right to attack this man. Perhaps 
that dear man would still be alive today and those eight girls would not be in prison and, and, and the, the moms and dads and the grandmas and the grandparents of those eight teenagers will not be in agony, emotional agony over what their child did. If only one of them had stepped forward and said, girls, this is wrong. We must never do this. But none of them stepped forward. None of them. Disgusting. Terrible. Parents, bring, bring your children and youth to church, to this church or whatever other church you, you belong to or feel comfortable in. Bring your children and young people to church. There is a greater chance. There, is a great, there are no guarantees, but there is a greater chance that your children and youth will learn to make the right decisions instead of killing an innocent man for no reason at all. Don't, if your kid, your child, or your teenager says, oh, I don't want to go to church. I'm going to watch my TV. Say, no, you're not. No, you're not. We're going to church. We're going to the Lord's house. You're going to learn something. You're going to learn something in Sunday school, in caravan club, in church. Amen. A few years ago, <clears throat> we showed a film on New Year's Eve in which, oh, it was a beautiful film, we showed a film on New Year's Eve in which a man who worked for a company was called into the office and his boss told him that they were, they were considering offering him a major promotion as a manager in the company's receiving department. I think they were going to make him manager of receiving department. And the boss said to him, he said, uh, when a truckload of products arrives... He said, Let, let's, uh, let's say we receive 12 skids, 12 skids of product. W would you be okay about recording, recording that we, we only received eight skids instead of 12? The boss told him to go home and think about it and give him an answer as to whether he would accept the job the next day. The man went home and realized realized that if he accepted this big promotion as the manager of the receiving department, there would be times when he was expected to cheat and lie. The man went home, talked to his wife about the potential promotion, and his, he talked to his wife about his uneasiness that sometimes his boss was going to expect him to cheat and lie. And his wife uh, told him of how, of how his salary was going to go up so much and, and, and would, would solve their financial struggles. And she said, oh honey, boy, this will really help us as a family. You're going to be paid so much more. And his wife uh, told him that you know, he, he would only be doing what the boss told him to do. So it was not, you know, it's not really his fault if he lies or cheats. Wives, spouses, be careful what you say to your spouse. 
Is there an amen? Weak, weak. The next day, the man went to his job. His boss called him again into his office and said, well, are you going to accept the big promotion? The man looked at his boss. He looked at his boss and said, sir, I'm sorry. I cannot accept the promotion. I cannot cheat or lie. If 12 skids of product arrive on the truck, I must be honest and record that 12 skids arrived. He said, I cannot record only eight skids being delivered. Thank you for the offer, but I cannot accept this promotion. The boss looked at him with a big smile. The boss looked at him with a big smile and he said, Congratulations, you have the job. You have the job. You are exactly the kind of man we want managing our receiving department. And the boss went on to tell him that he had gone through five or six candidates before finally, finally he found a man of integrity, a man who could be trusted. Amen. Amen. Mary and Joseph, my friends, inspire us. Inspire us to make the right decisions even though, even though it will be difficult sometimes. Amen? A lot of you have known our son Jeremy since he was born or since he was a little boy. He is a grown-up young man now, even though his father still looks pretty young and his mother looks very young. At least I got an amen from my wife. It's a good thing I added the part about the mother looking young. Um, Jeremy is the, the worship leader at Connect Church of the Nazarene and in Ajax, the congregation that we started just over seven years ago, if you recall. He is the volunteer worship leader there, is making a great contribution. Uh, here's a picture of our son, by the way, and then I want to show you a, a brief uh, video um, of him playing, playing baseball this past uh, summer. Um, this is, um, man, that photographer really knew what he was doing. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is it up on the big screen there? <laughs> well, when he was a little, little kid, I, I, I tried hard to go to his games, and uh, now that he's a big kid, I, I tried to go to a few of his games this past summer. Uh, show uh, show a little video that we have, would you? Oh, now, what happened to our video? I mean, to our audio. Can we try it again with the audio? <clears throat> it's much better with the audio. All right, let's click the audio button.
Oh, well. Anyway, anyway, it's okay. All right. Uh, right at the end there, the father said, great running, son. <laughs> all right. He, he, ran, he ran very quickly from second base all the way home and just, just got home before the, um, the, uh, the, the, the ball got there. All right. When our son Jeremy was growing up, he, he was very athletic. He participated in most of the sports in his high school and in our community. Uh, he was athlete of the year in his high school. In the summers, Jeremy liked to play in a baseball league. So we, we used to sign him up. But before we would sign him up for the summer, we asked if the baseball team would ever play on Sundays. If the league played on Sundays, we made sure that we didn't sign him up so that he would never be away from church on a Sunday due to baseball or any sporting event, uh, whatever the case might have been. I remember when Jeremy was, was 14 or 15 years of age. We, we signed him up for a summer baseball team and the coach reassured us, reassured us that there would not be any games played on Sundays. Everything was fine throughout the summer until the summer baseball season was finishing. And, and Jeremy told me one day that the championship game, the championship game was the next Sunday. I asked Jeremy what he told his coach. And Jeremy said he told his coach that he would not be able to play in the championship game because it was the Lord's Day and he could not be away from church to play baseball. I told Jeremy I was proud of him for making the right decision and putting God first ahead, ahead of sports. Jeremy's baseball coach phoned me up that night and said, Mr. Stavropoulos, Jeremy told me he can't play in a championship game because it is on Sunday. And I said, Coach, the main reason we signed him up for your league was because you said there would not be any Sunday games. And now you're telling me the championship game is on Sunday. The coach pleaded with me to let Jeremy play on Sunday in the championship game. He, he said, Mr. Stavropoulos, Jeremy, Jeremy is our best player. If he plays, we have a big chance of winning the championship. If he doesn't play, we will probably lose the championship. He was putting a little pressure on me. I said, Coach, I cannot give permission for Jeremy to play on Sunday, but here is what I can do. I will pray. I will pray that it rains hard on Sunday, <laughs> so the championship game will have to be rescheduled. This is a true story, totally true. It's not exaggerated. That Sunday, as we arrived for Sunday school and morning church service, it was pouring rain. I mean, it was 
pouring, pouring. I got soaked running from my car to the building. There's an old expression. I don't know how it came about, but you know, the old expression, it was, it was raining cats and dogs. One, one, one day I'll look up how in the world I got started. But anyway, it was raining cats and dogs. <clears throat> and I was so happy about the rain because I thought for sure the championship baseball game would be rained out and postponed. I was a little bit unhappy about the rain because I know that when it rains, 10 to 20% of people don't show up for church, by the way. That's another story. But anyway, I was happy because the probability was the, um, the game would be canceled. After church, after church, however, when I went outside to greet everyone as you were going home, I was shocked, honestly. I was shocked to see that the weather had totally cleared up. It totally cleared up. The sun was shining brightly. There wasn't a, a drop of rain in the sky. In fact, in fact, the sidewalks and the parking lot was all dried up. And I thought, I thought, Lord, what have you done? Lord, you fooled me. Early morning, I thought my prayer was answered. You had it pouring rain, and now there is no sign of rain. I guess the championship baseball game is, is being played. That's what I thought. That Sunday evening, I received a phone call from Jeremy's baseball coach. And he said, Mr. Stavropoulos, can your son please play in the championship game this Thursday evening? <laughs> I said, Coach, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about because after church today, the weather was great. The sun was shining. There wasn't a drop of rain in the air. The sidewalks and the parking lot, uh, parking lots were all dried up. You, you must have played the championship game today. And the coach said, Mr. Stavropoulos, so much rain, so much rain fell in the morning that the baseball diamond was flooded. <laughs> and he said, authorities from the parks department came out and said, no one could play any baseball games on that Sunday so as not to, not to damage the baseball diamond. <laughs> I said, amen, 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 hallelujah. <laughs> All right, I said, Lord, uh, sorry for doubting you. <laughs> well, the day, the day of the championship baseball game arrived, and I heard that the opposing team had the best pitcher in the league, and they were favored to win. And I watched their pitcher pitch as he was warming up, and I thought, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's going to be tough hitting this guy that is hitting the ball. As I watched their pitcher practice and warm up, I became very concerned for Jeremy and his team because their pitcher was so good and so fast. I remember thinking, thinking, how I didn't know if even I, as an adult, could hit those fast pitches. I used to play baseball as well. I, 
I uh, sometimes was the pitcher, sometimes uh, catcher, sometimes third base, you know. But uh, I was very impressed with that pitcher. Nevertheless, I knew I had to build up my son's confidence. And before the game started, I was out there in the field pitching balls as fast to him as I could and saying, Jeremy, you can connect. You can connect, son. You can connect. I was building up his confidence. The game started. Both teams played well and they played hard. The score was very close. Each time our son, each time Jeremy got up to bat, I went to the fence behind the catcher. As I watched their pitcher whip the balls over that plate, I kept saying, not in an, an annoying way, but in a nice way, I, I, I said, Jeremy, Jeremy, you, you can connect. You can connect, buddy. You can connect. And each time that Jeremy went up to bat in that game, he got a hit, he got a hit, and he got on base despite the excellence of that pitcher. And it, it, it's called batting. He was batting 1,000. Those of you who are baseball fans, that's what it is, isn't it? They call it batting 1,000, Michael, yes? Okay. And uh, the last time, the last time that Jeremy went up to bat, he hit it far over the fielder's head, and I, I thought there was a chance that he would have a home run. I thought, okay, he's going to have a home run. Jeremy passed the first base. He, uh, he rounded the second base, and as he approached third base, I, I didn't know if the third base, base coach was going to send him home for a home run or if what he was going to do, but um, it was going to be very close, very close as to whether or not Jeremy would make it home safely to home plate. The third base coach decided, he decided to hold Jeremy at third base and not take a chance. The next player went up, to bat. He hit the ball in the field, got on base, and Jeremy ran home safely. He ran home safely. And then in the end, in the end, Jeremy's team won the championship. And of course, the team and all of us celebrated the great victory. The coach walked over to me. He walked over to me and he said, man, I'm glad you're on our team. <laughs> He said, I hope your son is on my team again next year. My friends, when Jeremy and I were told that the championship game was going to be played on a Sunday, we could have said, well, well, it's only one Sunday. But we didn't give in. We didn't give in. We made the right decision, even though it was tough. I thought, oh boy, I'm not going to let my son play in the championship game. The decision, by the way, the decision we made doesn't make us, did not make us super saints at all. All right? But that baseball story has served as a reminder to me that when you do what is right, God somehow 
blesses and works things out. Amen? Amen. This Christmas, my friends, and in the new year to come, let Mary and Joseph inspire you to make the right decisions, even though it might be very difficult. In your life and mine, in the days ahead and in the new year to come, there will be times when you have to choose to do what is right and what pleases God or what is convenient. And the truth is, too many times people choose to do what is convenient. Hello? Hello? And this applies in family matters, at work, at school, at church, in recreational activities. Very often it is more difficult to choose to do what is right and what pleases God. Do it anyway. Do what is right. Do what is right. Honor and please the Lord. One of the most important and best decisions you can ever make is to repent of your sins and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. The angel said to Joseph in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, the angel said, Mary will have a son, and you are to, you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. God came to earth in the person of Jesus. He came as a baby, but years later, Jesus was crucified on the cross of Calvary to pay the price for your sins and mine, to save us from the consequences of our sins. Romans 6.23 tells us, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. This Christmas, the best gift you can receive is, is to make a decision to trust in Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Are you trusting? Are you trusting in Jesus as your Savior this moment? I want to invite you to bow your head with me. If as yet you have not been trusting in Jesus, I want to invite you to pray this prayer. Those of you who are here in the sanctuary, pray. Those of you watching online, pray. Sit there, stand there, kneel, whatever you wish. But would you pray this prayer? Dear Lord, thank you for loving me. Lord, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And today I make this 
wonderful right decision, right choice to repent of my sins. I repent of my sins. I ask you to forgive me. I know I can be forgiven because you, Jesus, died on the cross to pay the price for my sins. I receive your forgiveness by faith. And I thank you for the promise of heaven, the promise of eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. My friends, Reflect for a moment on the two main truths I've shared with you. The first one, the first one, technicians, can you put it up, please? Christmas is awesome because we are inspired to believe that what seems impossible to you and me can become possible through God's Holy Spirit power. As we sing this next beautiful carol, it might be that some of you are facing, you're going through a situation that seems impossible, impossible to get solved, impossible to find the solution. You don't know how in the world it's going to turn out. I want you to feel free to walk up to our altar here the altar is a place of prayer. You can kneel or stand, whatever you wish. Just leave some space between yourself and others out of concern for COVID these days. So you feel free to come and say, Lord, the word of God has reminded me tonight that that which seems impossible can become possible through the power of your Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, I, I come to you in faith. And I pray that through your grace, mercy, and power, you will help me find a solution. And others of you may want to come. In regards to that second point, Mary inspires us to make the right decisions, even though it will be difficult. Some of you are facing some very tough decisions right now. And you're, you're wrestling with what to do. May you pray and say, Lord, empower me and help me to make the right decision, to do what's going to please you, what honors you, to do what is right. Would you do that? You feel free to come. We love you. The Lord loves you. You feel free to come if you would like to spend some moments in prayer here tonight as we sing this beautiful carol. Come, stand. Would you stand, please? Would you stand? Amen.